What's happening, everybody? I'm KD Wilson, and welcome to I Lead the Way, a podcast where our mission is to empower, inspire, and uplift educators and scholars around the world to be the best versions of themselves. By way of motivational moments, informative interviews, and real-life experiences, we're going to push the envelope in order to compel our listeners to lead the way no matter where you might be in your life. We believe and know that you were born on purpose, with purpose, and for a purpose. So let's live like it. Hello and welcome to I Lead the Way, the podcast, a place where you can come and be yourself, whether educator or scholar, whatever you're doing, we got something for you. And today you all are in for an absolute treat because my friend is here all the way from the cool, cool place of Alabama. Alabama? Alabama. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just thinking with you. Uh, We got my friend, Miss Winters here. Um, Miss Winters, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I am going to make sure that everybody has a chance to kind of hear a little bit about you uh, and not just talking about me. So if you don't mind, can you tell the folks who maybe don't know you, who are you? What do you do? How long you've been doing it? Okay, so I am Natalia Winters. I reside in Birmingham, Alabama, and I'm a wife and a mother to a six-year-old ebullient ebullient little girl. Um, She's the light of my absolute world, and I am also an educator. I've been in higher ed for 10 years, and I am currently the director for student support services at a community college here in Birmingham, and I've been here for three years, and so yeah. That's a little bit about me. Awesome. So for the people that maybe don't know, um, I call it SSS or S3. Um, What is student support services? I guess what's what's the purpose? What's the mission? What's the the capacity of that? Yeah, student support services is a federally funded program through uh, the Department of Education. And so what student support services really is, it is about undergirding students as they are matriculating through either a two-year college or four-year university. And so the the purpose is to help those students who have been marginalized. Hmm. So we serve as first-generation college students. Those are students who neither their mother or father have a four-year degree. Uh, Students who are what is deemed income eligible, those that that eligibility is also determined by the U.S. Department of Ed. And it uh, just looks at what resources students have not had that has prevented them from furthering their education. So we look at that. And we also look at students who are disabled. So that includes a physical disabled or being disabled or mentally disabled as well. And so from dyslexia to someone who is in a wheelchair, Hmm. we wanna make sure that we serve all those students and provide all the resources necessary so that they are successful because that is our goal. I love that. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if I ever told you SSS was my very first job out of college. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was something I just kind of stumbled into. I was, you know, of course I'm an Aggie through and through A&T. Okay. And, uh, I finished out my senior year and the building where our counseling department was, um, happened to be right underneath, um, actually, yeah, right underneath the, the trio office. And I went up and one of my friends was like, hey, man, you know, they, they're doing some stuff this summer to help some students out. I'm like, OK, I'm all about helping people. And very first job and awesome. come full circle. And full I would say circle. probably 95 percent of what I do is with TRIO programs, Upper Bounds, Student Support Services, Talent Search, like y'all are my people. Um, yeah, so. that's actually where I met you at a conference yep. for like all TRIO programs. So, yep. yeah. 
I always say God has a sense of humor for sure. Yeah. You know, so you, you realize it. I'm like, wait a minute, I started there and I'm right back here again. Full circle. It's a beautiful it, it thing. It is. But and and the reason I brought that up <clears throat> is because the thing I loved about uh, the program and I still do today is that I didn't understand, even coming from the HBCU, even being someone that probably needed to be in the program myself, I didn't understand how important exposure was. And that's one of the biggest things that I see, you know, as an educator, as a speaker, as an author, when I come in and work, you know, with programs like yours and with, um, you know, just the different scholars, that they, they get a chance to see something they typically haven't seen before, or maybe wouldn't be able to get to on their own for lack of either resources, support, mm -hmm. like I said, mainly exposure. Um, I guess, what, what does that look like on your end? How, how important has you know, exposure been uh, for your scholars? Absolutely important. We actually have a component of our grant where we offer students cultural experiences. So I believe I'm deeply principled in other people's lived experiences and how that can shape the way in which we interact with others. Mm -hmm. uh, beyond our race, ethnicity, our, our backgrounds of any sort our humanity is the first thing we see with others absolutely so for me it was always important that students no matter what background they were from they felt seen they felt important they felt like it was a safe space when when I was around and so I brought that into every aspect of my career and so exposing uh, students to uh, Native American indigenous culture food things like that um, also what it means to be uh, have the black experience in this country, what it means to be one of the dreamers, those who are from um, the Latina community, what all of that means to be in even rural white America, what that looks like. It's important mm -hmm. that everyone's lived experience has a space right. to be welcomed into our program, not just our program, but just anything that I'm a part of that is very important for me. So student support services, does look at cultural experiences to open students' minds and expose students to something outside of what they're normally going to witness. So yes, absolutely. I love that. And you, you know, you have to have, you can have a phenomenal car, but if you don't have the right driver, then it's just sitting there, you know? Mm -hmm. So when I think of programs like, like the one that you're a part of, um, I'm happy to know there are people like you that are in place because Thanks. of the heart that you have. Like I said, yeah. the the workshop time that we had to share and just a few brief conversations here and there, um, you can kind of feel people out. You can tell when some folks are genuine and when some people are just there, just check off a box. Absolutely. Um, and you're not one of those box people. No. I could tell that a mile away. Um, <laughs> and I, I bring that up because I was thinking about a word you just said that I think is something we're still fighting for. When I say we, I mean both people of color, but also people in general um, the word belonging, you said belonging a few minutes ago. Mm -hmm. um, I think of that word, and I think about, man, all, all the hard things that we see, like we see suicide rates, you know, climbing, you see people that are um, being addicted to different medications, you see people that um, are completely locked into social media, because they don't feel like they have a world outside of that world. You know, mm -hmm. you have you have people that um, are just going through so much. And the word belonging, I feel, is really one that can offset so much of that. But it takes a person. It takes people. It takes someone having open eyes and open heart and open arms mm -hmm. um, to be able to facilitate that. Because mm -hmm. I think that as human beings, 
Um, we are all very wired to, to be cautious first. You yes. know, we kind of shrink back from the danger piece. I don't want to get too close to this cliff because what could, what might, this already happened. I saw this happen to somebody else, you know. So we bring that into not only education, but into relationships and into this our day-to-day activities. Mm-hmm. I think that we can all feel it some in some way, shape, form, or fashion as if we're on an island by ourselves, you know. So I love to hear that there are people taking the time to pay attention to that sense of belonging, you know, um, because belonging, like you said, isn't about race, ethnicity, um, your identification. Nope. It has everything to do with your humanity. Yep. You know, I tell people flat out, like, you're somebody's kid, period. I don't care how old you are, how young you are, you're somebody's kid, which means that you have value in this world. You know, your heart's beating. You're a human being, not a human doing. So how can we, how can we bring about belonging? Um, so that's, that's huge. I guess in, in your, in your space, in the area that, that you occupy, I guess let's kind of stay in that, that belonging piece, you know, what, what have been some maybe hindrances to being able to create that space where you are, if, if there are any at all? Yeah, certainly. Um, let me, this is just, I, I only speak from my experience. I do not speak on behalf of the right. college for whom I work for. Um, but yes, so coming into this space, I, I once served a HBCU. And so that was a little bit easier as it related to being able to be connected. Sure. Um, there's just a camaraderie that kind of happens when you are of uh, your community, right? Sure. And so where I am now, the community is a little bit different. So it was a little bit of a challenge coming into a space and people were surprised that I was the director. They uh-huh. weren't used to seeing someone who looked like me, who was a little bit younger looking than they had been used to. And so you're, I'm competing with um, racial stereotypes. I'm competing with ageism. I'm competing with um, the fact that I'm just a woman in this space as well. And it was a little bit of a challenge in the beginning. But again, because I'm deeply principled in what it means to be seen, I wanted to make sure that no challenge would ever stop my students from seeing beyond what was on the outside. And that took me building trust. That took me making sure I understood what their concerns were when they came to me, void of anything else. And it really created a a space where some of the students who I know would not have talked to me outside of this space Hmm. were knocking my door down. Hmm. to chat with me, to share with me their concerns, not around their academics, but around their problems at home, around what was happening in their personal life, maybe with a boyfriend or a girlfriend, those types of things. And I know that that's a gift. That is not of me. That is something of greater divine. And I'm just grateful that I have that gift. But when I look at these types of challenges, there's no space I can go into where, where I will be defeated because I know that I am victorious in every single thing I do because everything that I need is already within. And so I just continue to operate from that. So there were, again, challenges, but it was not a final thing. It was something for me to stretch and grow and to stretch and grow them as well. And we really built some great relationships here. So 
I love that. I hope that answers your question. No, you absolutely. <laughs> I can be a little long winded when I talk about my students. So yes, that's called relationship. If, yeah, if you're super short winded, that means that you're probably checking some boxes like we talked nope. about, and that and that nope. that you're not, you know. No. But that goes back to what we said with exposure. Yeah. You know, sometimes exposure isn't just um, where you've been, you know, and and maybe what you haven't done yet. Mm -hmm. It might be exactly what you just said. You know, you're you're a a young woman of color walking into uh, a college campus, and you're saying to yourself, "I don't know if I belong here." You know, um, you might be walking through imposter syndrome. You know, maybe maybe I, I checked off all these boxes and I got the grades, but am I really smart enough to be here? You know, I, mm -hmm. or what if I want to be an engineer? You know, do I do I have what it takes? Those women, they're they're special. You know, that that's them over there. Mm -hmm. And they walk into an office and bump into somebody like you and say, Well, wait a minute. Not only does she have her, her makeup on point, but she's walking around, she's got her, she's got her head up. She's got a, you know, kind of shoulders boat. She's uh -huh. ready to rock and roll. That's exposure. It, it's allowing, you know, people to see um, that there, there aren't these, these ceilings and boundaries that, that so many, um, you know, have, have run into that are, that are unable to be defeated. They can be broken. Those walls can come down, but somebody's going to be willing to go through it. Um, yeah. Being really friendly has also been a characteristic of mine. I was actually voted in high school like most friendliest. It was weird. Surprise, and, surprise. But that has always been something about me. I will speak to anyone I'm walking past in the hall. And I know that there are students sometimes when they're walking in our halls, people will walk by them and not even acknowledge them. And mm -hmm. I don't do that. I want to acknowledge every single person I encounter. That's just my personality. And it has worked for me in education. My mom used to always tell me, she said, son, be careful how you treat people. You never know what they're going through. Um, and actually, I've told the story before and you know, people have, have done their own research, but the Golden Gate Bridge, you know, is notorious um, for people. They're having really hard times and feeling alone. Absolutely. And there was a story about a young girl who was actually going to take her own life. And she, she told herself, she said, if someone will smile at me, then mm -hmm. I'll, I'll think again. And she actually tours the country. At least she did last time I heard. She was touring the country, which gives you the, the good spoiler. Um, and she said she was walking. She, she had her head down and she could only see people's feet. She said, but she kind of kept hearing people murmuring and just saying things about her, or at least she thought they were. You know, sometimes when you're in a hard place, you might think you're hearing stuff that really isn't. You might think somebody's looking at you. They're really not. But she was in such a, a, a gray, you know, area in her life mentally and spiritually, emotionally that she was like, man, I, there's got to be something more than this. And she said she was walking towards the, the, the border of the bridge and she glanced up and this young man just smiled at her. And I said, you know, didn't ask for a phone number, didn't say, how are you? Nothing. All he did was smile. That was it. He yeah. smiled at her, locked eyes with her and kept Thank on you. walking. And she said she stopped, turned around, went home, got some support and has been rolling ever since. Wow. And so to think that something so small, <clears throat> excuse me, something so small that we would consider small as a smile, you know, could literally save someone's life, Absolutely. like literally save somebody's life. Absolutely. With you doing that on a regular, yeah, you never know who you're bumping into and what, what, the, what walls might be coming down behind closed doors. Absolutely. And that's Absolutely. for both students and, and peers. Like yeah. you, you never know. You yeah. really, really never know. So that's huge. How did you get into what you do? 
you know, education found me. So really briefly, I was really um, pursuing medicine. I was always really, really smart in science. And so my entire life, I was told I was going to medical school. So I thought, okay, well, I'm going to medical school. You're very dumb. So my entire undergrad was about science and chemistry and took the MCAT, was going to go to medical school. Life got in the way, derailed me, and I thought it was over. And I knew I disappointed a lot of people um, who really had a lot of faith in me being like the first doctor in the family. And I remember um, feeling the weight of everyone's expectations and God really whispering to me that there was something different that, that God had for me. At the time, I did not know what that was. So I had a couple odd jobs here and there. I'm out of college. I have to pay bills. I need to work, right, as I try to figure out my life. And an old mentor of mine uh, reached out to me and said, I have a position here at the college, I think you will be great. So I said, yeah, I don't know, you know, education, I'm a science person, I'm a black and white person, I don't know if this will work. And he said, give it a, give it a chance. So I did, took the job, took off. And I remember one, one of the uh, organizations at the college asked me to speak for their Beta Kappa Chi induction. And I said, you know, once upon a time, I thought I was going to save lives through medicine. And now I save lives through education. Hmm. And it was full circle for me because there were students I was meeting who they were either going to go to jail or they were going to go to college. So what was your choice going to be? They chose college. Students who did not look the part, but I did not turn my face from them. Three and four years later, they're emailing me or texting me and calling me, showing me pictures of their degree where they've finally graduated from college or moved on to a master's program first in their entire family on both sides Come to on. even pursue a master's degree. I have a student right now in North Carolina A&T in a doctoral program. She is from a neglected family who um, was also raised by foster parents who also then abandoned her. Goodness. And she has persevered because of the relationship she and I have cultivated. I don't want to take full responsibility for that because again, I believe it is divine, but it was what I gave her when she was an undergrad that she pursued her undergrad degree, her master's degree, and now her doctoral degree, which she'll be finishing in December of this year. So these are the types of things that when I say I save lives through education, this is what I do. When you look at a student that is marginalized, push to the edge, everyone has given up on them. And they say, Miss Bowyer, that's my maiden name, or Miss Winters, it is because of you that now I have an opportunity at a life I never even thought was possible for me. That is what keeps me going every single day. It is why I wake up. It is why I drive. It is why I come and do the work. Because I know when you see someone, they begin to see themselves. But sometimes someone needs to be seen first for them to see their full potential. And that is what I offer to them. And it has been amazing. And that was in 2012. And I haven't looked back. I have a microphone, but I'm not going to drop it. But <laughs> if, if I had an extra one, I would throw it across the room. That was um, that was so well said and so easy to feel. Thank you. I would hope regardless of who might be listening to this now or down the road, be their educator or student, 
that they heard what you just shared, you know, because I think people look at um, certain phrases and they assume there's pride attached to it. There, there's no pride attached to a statement when you say I save lives, like yeah. a, a real, like a medical doctor. No, you're telling the truth. If you're a heart surgeon, you save lives. Absolutely. Like you don't have to be all weird about it. You know, if yeah. you're a policeman, firefighter, you know, a medic, you save lives. Absolutely. And, and for people to assume that those are the only, you know, professions or, or, or spaces occupied that can influence and impact life to such a degree, they're wrong. Absolutely. Because education was a massive turning point for me. I mean, massive. And of course, Absolutely. it happened at A&T. His name was Dr. Marvin Hall. Never forget the man. And he was just like, dude, get your stuff together. Yeah. But it's exactly what you said. He saw me when I couldn't see myself. Absolutely. Because I didn't. Well, I've, I've always had loved ones that, you know, they, they want the best for you and they yeah, yeah. support you kind of quote unquote and all that kind of jazz. But everybody's living their own life and you don't really always have time to stop and see what everybody else is doing. As long as you're not in trouble, you're not going to jail, you're not doing something crazy, then you're fine. But he, he saw me just living a, a C life, a C average life, you yeah. know, um, where I was coming in class, sitting in the back, in the back corner, have my hat down, my head down. I was doing work and turn in C and D average. And he's like, if you turn this crap in one more time, he was like, I'm going to kick you out of my class. <laughs> and I was like, I'm passing your class. He was like, no, you're not excelling. That's he's right. Like, you're, you're just here. He's right. like, and you can do so much more. That man made me write a hundred page paper. I was like, brother, wait a minute. Like, oh, we don't do this sophomore year. This is a hundred, hundred pages. He said, you're going to get, he said, you're going to get your master's degree. I was like, you're definitely got the wrong kid. Like, I'm not sure. Maybe it's KD. You might be looking for, for Kenneth Damien. That ain't me, you know, but I, he was right. I went Absolutely. on the Duke, got my master's first semester. 100 page paper, cranked them out like it was nothing. Right. But you sometimes you need somebody to see you, like you said, before you can see yourself. And then when your eyes are open to your own value, then you realize, oh, shoot, there's a big world out here. Like, what can't I do? What can't I do? What can't I do? What can't I do? And I think if we can begin to help students shift that mindset, from what am I going to do to what can't I do? Mm-hmm. Like that's a, I could throw a rock through a window right now. That's a huge one. Like, cause a lot, they, they do that. And I was guilty of it too. What am I going to do? Yeah. That's a very defeated mentality. Absolutely. It's one of those where you have the weight of the world on your shoulders. At least you feel like you do when you're, you're just kind of going along. But when you shift from what am I going to do? How am I going to get through to what can't I do? And I dare something to try to stop me. Absolutely. You got a whole different monster on your hands. A whole different monster. I also teach students about growth and fixed mindset, which is a simple concept for adults. Mm -hmm. But sometimes students who have never heard of it struggle with it. But it's it's as simple as changing your language with yourself. And adding yet to most of your statements can change the outcome. Yes. On your your ideas around what you're capable of doing. So absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. One more question for you, sure. actually, one and a half before I get sure. you. Know, you got some stuff to do. Um, I guess for educators and teachers that might be, you know, in in that place of having the desire to want to stay in the game, mm-hmm. to want to help, to want to save lives, 
um, but they're feeling overwhelmed. They're feeling burnt out. They're feeling taxed and maybe not seeing themselves. If you bumped into them in the hallway, aside from smiling, which would probably light up their day, <laughs> what, um, what advice might you give them? Okay, so I, I, would, I would consider advice that, that um, has helped me in my career, in my personal life, in my personal goals and my career goals, everything. For me, it is about uh, being healthy in your mind, right? And the way that I do that is by practicing mindfulness. And I, I don't know that I would actually have advice per se for someone, but uh, maybe a series of questions that you wanna ask yourself, what are you doing? that is causing you to be burnout? What are you doing that makes you feel overwhelmed? Are you spreading yourself thin because you are looking for some type of gratification from it? Or do you really have the capacity for the things in which you are putting on your plate? Are you understanding the importance and the power of no? Do you feel guilty when, when you can't do something and someone feels some kind of way about it? Are you detaching yourself from people's expectations? These are the things that I will ask them. Mindfulness is about practice excuse me, is about practicing um, paying attention on purpose in the moment without judging. Mm. So when you are paying attention, you are paying attention to your body when your body is telling you you're tired. Before your body faints, your body gives you a sign that you're tired, mm -hmm. right? So you're paying attention on purpose. In the moment, you're able to process your emotions or process your feelings more quickly because you're being more attentive to what you're feeling. So instead of lashing out at a student or an employee because you're tired, you're already self-aware that you're already, you had a long night. So you prepare your mind for the work ahead. That is about being in the moment and also without judging. So what you're not having a great day? Who has a great day every day? Right. Happiness is not the only thing we should chase. We should also make space for vulnerability. We should also make space for anger, for frustration, because those emotions are normal. You know why? Because we're human beings and human beings are not full of just joy and happiness. That when we make space for the emotions and the feelings in our lives that are not popular, we actually free ourselves from the burden of those emotions. That is what I would say to them. That is a round of applause. And I was going to give you another question to say, how do you lead the way? But you just answered it because that that mindfulness piece is definitely mm -hmm. something that like that wasn't just off the cuff. That's something you practice for sure. Every day. Um, and you just gave me that you gave me the title of, of this podcast episode, too. Oh, um, great. So that was that was awesome. Um, is there anything that you, I guess, got coming up? um that you want to share with any of the people listening any kind of um sign off that you might sign just say hey well i will say this there is a mantra i live by too let me just share this when i walk in the room the room belongs to me and that is advice that i give everyone it's free you can have it it is just about understanding that your head is up and your shoulders are back. No matter how difficult, no matter what you're facing, when you walk into the room, the room belongs to you, 
period. And so you own it in that same way. You, you attack whatever the challenges are in that same way. That is a victorious mindset. So I will say that. I don't know if that's advice, but I will say that. Um, as far as things that I'm working on, just continuing to move my program forward. Um, in my personal life, I have recently launched uh, a nonprofit. So I am now a founder CEO of a nonprofit that speaks to impacting families who have been, who are navigating rare diseases and disorders wow. because my daughter has a rare disorder. Mm -hmm. And once upon a time, I was building this nonprofit around our lives. And when I, I realized that purpose is greater than yourself. And so I created it around families, no matter what your disorder is, navigating that space, offering resources, mental health resources, because being a caregiver can be very difficult. Yes. I am also a working mother. And so I have to keep a good balance on my work and home life. And also making sure that resources reach rural communities, urban communities, that we understand what it means to have medical biases, that we understand what it means to be culturally sensitive. And these are the, the goals of the organization. And it is called Rarity. And the website is available at stayrare.org. And it is a brand new nonprofit. So everyone keep that in mind. It will not look like organizations that have been around for a long time. But I do want everyone to understand, I do not want my organization to look like anything you've ever seen before. So the, that is the one thing that I am working on new outside of education, but still leading through service. Stayrare.org. Stayrare.org. Folks, if you are listening to this, Yes, please. Take your behind over to the website and look at it, dig it in, breathe it in, and yes. be supportive because if you don't, I'm going to come find you and kick <laughs> you in the leg. But thank you so, so much. I know you have a lot on your plate, but again. No, I um, appreciate this. This has been amazing. What you do as well is so important and so vital, not just to the education world, but to the community as well, to the to community of people of color, to the community of people who've been marginalized, people who are forgotten sometimes, what you do is important as well. So I just want to make sure I say that to your audience. If they have not heard you speak before, they are missing a treat. So thank you for inviting me into your space because that means a lot as well, connecting with people who really are trying to leave a mark on the world that's greater than ourselves. So, yes, absolutely. And I just launched two new books like yesterday. Okay. Um, I will send you a copy. I know you work with uh, college students. One is called Do's and Don'ts uh, for high schoolers. And the other one is Do's and Don'ts for the college freshmen. So I know you have some new scholars coming in. I will send you a copy of the uh, yes. the one for the college. Freshmen. I have your others here actually on my bookshelf. So I got some more coming to you. Okay, great. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you so much for your time. I hope you continue to dominate and do what you do because you're the only one that can do it the way you do. Thank you, Thank you so much. I appreciate no it. You're excellent. Thank you so much. All right. Hey, thanks for stopping in. This is KD Wilson with the I Lead the Way podcast. Listen, I hope this was interesting. I hope it was empowering. I hope it was helpful. I hope it picks you up and pushes you towards the one thing you know you need to be doing, leading the way. Until next time, it's KD Wilson. Take care.